0: Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. It's Santa here again. I thought that I would check my list twice like I always say I do, and I realized that Hayden and Justin were actually on my nice list. Today we have a special reading from them where they're going to treat all the good boys and girls and all the good parents to a very, very... Christmassy Christmas reading.
1: Oh ho, ho ho.
2: Well, Hayden, wouldn't you know, it turns out we made it on the nice list after all. What's that about? I don't know, man. I thought I was good. I don't know why Santa thought I wasn't. (laughs) Turns out he forgot to check his list twice. (laughs) Yes. You know, I knew I was, I knew I was supposed to be on the nice list, but when we weren't on there the first time I thought, you know, you start thinking like maybe just maybe I did something naughty. Like I'm pretty confident. I didn't do anything naughty this year, but maybe there's a small chance turns out not
0: maybe he's just trying to fake us out
2: he's maybe it's like,
0: to f- it's like i'm gonna see if these guys slip up <laughs> and then i don't have to come visit them just their kids or just your kids
2: i should say yeah it's like what you it's like what you like when you do to your kids and you're like is there something that you wanted to tell me and you don't really know if there any there is anything but you just think like Oh yeah, and they just open up to you You know, like you try and trick Yeah, Santa, you tricky guy Anyways, I'm happy Tricky Saint Nick Tricky Saint Nick, you know I'm happy though, because this Gave us an opportunity to get together Because people, we have something Super awesome for you guys um, We are going to do a very Special Christmas reading For you from a book called A Die Hard Christmas written by Doogie Horner, illustrated by JJ Harrison. Now we want to say thank you for spending Christmas Eve with us because we are really excited to do this Hayden and I, and we hope you are too. It's a lovely book. And after we finish the book, we have an extended Rachel's review. Hayden and I got a little bit chatty on the last episode. You know, we talked and talked. It was a Christmas special and Disney News came out. And we just thought that we wanted to give more. And we wanted Rachel to give more because she has some lovely, lovely stuff to talk about around this time of season. And so we're going to go into an extended review special Christmas Rachel's review after our die-hard reading. So stay with us.
0: T'was the night before Christmas and up in the tower. Everyone was partying except one wallflower. John McLean missed his wife. Things just weren't the same since Holly had moved west and changed her last name. He tried to win her back, but still she said no. While unbeknownst to them, there was trouble below. A truck had pulled up, and who should disembark? But fourteen men whose intentions
2: were dark. They spoke not a word and unloaded big crates. They cut the phone lines and locked all the gates. Carl swept the ground floor, shooting every guard dead, while visions of barrier bonds danced in his head.
0: John took off his shoes, making fists with his toes. It actually worked. Well, what do you know? When out in the lobby there arose such a clatter, he sprung to the door to see what was the matter.
2: When what to his wandering eyes should appear? Holy crap! There were terrorists here? John hid under a table where no one could see and watched Hans question Mr. Takagi. I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Give me the codes to open the vault door.
0: I don't know the codes, so go ahead and shoot. Okay, said Hans Gruber, and ruined Takagi's suit. John tried to call the cops by pulling an alarm. But instead called the bad guys who tried
2: to cause him harm. But John killed Tony, who had very small feet, and sent him to the terrace as a yuletide treat. He put a Santa hat on the German and eyes all aglow, wrote, "Now I have a machine gun.". <laughs> Carl was furious. Tony was his brother. He chased John across the roof, and they shot at each other. John was able to escape through the ventilation shafts. "'Come out to the coast,' he sighed. "'We'll have a few laughs.'"
0: At Nakatomi Tower, Sergeant Powell appeared. He checked the whole lobby and saw nothing weird. He was pulling away but didn't get far, before Marco landed on the hood of his car. Powell drove away backwards, screaming in fright. "'Welcome to the party, pal!' John yelled with delight."
2: More police arrived, the FBI and a SWAT team. Mm, But Hans didn't mind. It was all part of his scheme. More rapid than eagles, his henchmen they came. And he radioed and shouted and called them by name. Now Eddie, now James, now Franco, now Uli. On Fritz, on Carl, hair long and unruly. They shot the SWAT tank with a surface-to-air
0: missile and knocked it away like the down of a thistle. Now John McLean was angry indeed. He blew up two terrorists and called them jerkweed. Ellis told Hans, Bubby, I'm your white knight. Hans shot him dead, giving the hostages a fright. Hans went to go check on the explosives fuse and saw that poor John wasn't wearing any shoes.
2: John fled from Carl and Hans, but alas, he had to run barefoot over sharp broken glass. His feet, how they hurt, his soles, oh, so bloody. John crawled to the bathroom floor and called his good buddy. John was weary and ready to throw in the towel until he got a pep talk from Sergeant Al Powell. Powell was chubby and plump, a right jolly old cop, and he trusted the cowboy in the tattered tank top.
0: But a reporter was probing into McLean's life and revealed that Holly was actually John's wife. Hans quickly flipped over the gold picture frame. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mrs. McLean. His clothes all tarnished with ashes and soot. John staggered to the rooftop, bloody and barefoot.
2: The explosives were wired to the rooftop with care in hopes that the hostages would soon be there. John warned everyone the roof would soon blow, as a chopper strafed him with high-powered ammo. Around his waist, he tied a fire hose tight, and screaming an oath, jumped into the night. He dangled in the air and gritted his teeth, while flames engulfed the tower like a wreath.
0: Fiercely fighting his way back inside, John yelled out, Hans! He was done trying to hide. He limped to the vault like an old man on crutches, only to find Holly in his filthy clutches. John dropped his gun, put his hand on his head. It seemed he and Holly soon would be dead. But with a secret gun taped to his back, John shot Hans in a surprise attack.
2: Hans fell out the window, still holding Holly's arm, and slowly, deliberately raised his firearm, the tenacious villain held on by his nails, till John unhooked Holly's watch and said, Happy trails. Bearer bonds fluttered like fresh fallen snow as Holly embraced her blood-spattered bow. So, so Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to all. all. Be, Be kind, kind to one, one another. another. And, and most of all, yippee ki Mother.
0: Now, wasn't that a lovely story, ladies and gentlemen? Warms the cockles of your heart on a Christmas Eve.
2: Filled with the spirit. Filled with the spirit.
0: Now, thanks for joining us on that short and sweet little read of Die Hard Christmas. It was a first for Justin and I. It was a first time for me reading through it. And I got to say, I think we did pretty good. I'm going to throw this out here. If anyone else has a book they want us to read, send us an email at or on our social media. Email is from a certain point of view podcast at Gmail. And those social medias are Facebook from a certain point of view. Instagram from a certain point of view podcast and Twitter from a certain PO1. Send us your recommendations or your thoughts on the read. How good are our acting skills as vocalists? Who knows? But that's enough <laughs> for me. I think it's time to send it over to a real professional. One who didn't get the time. That she deserved on our last episode So we decided That we would give her Much time as she needed On this one And we all know who it is That jam's coming in Oh it's making me groove It's Christmas time Rachel. Rachel It's your reviews Merry Christmas
1: Hello, all. Welcome to another segment of Rachel's reviews. Um, today is the Christmas Eve episode for, from a certain point of view. So, um, I mentioned on Monday's podcast of movies that were unconventional that I like to watch during the holiday season. Um, if I don't get to them, obviously, it's not. It's, it doesn't hurt at all. So this episode, I'm going to talk about movies that I absolutely have to watch during the season, and some which are a tradition that I prefer to watch every year. So um, majority of them, if it wasn't me, this wouldn't be this way, but <laughs> majority of them are classic Hollywood films, um, with a modern, the most modern that I'm going to go into is 1987. So um there, of course, there are other movies that I really do like to watch, but they don't really make the cut as tra- as a you know a traditional watch. They are some movies that um, I would like to watch, but n- not any that are a must. So I uh, try to watch Home Alone one and two. You know the Santa Claus, which I actually like, and number two, we don't talk about the third one because it is ungodly terrible. Um, Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, Let's see, The Holiday. I really, really love The Holiday. Um, It's such a good cast. Uh, I really want to watch that soon, actually. I I just need to put that on my to-do list. Um, Let's see what else is out there. Christmas Chronicles is now going to probably be added into the I would like to watch it. If I don't get to it, it's okay. But yeah, I love it. Kurt Russell as Santa Claus is a perfect casting. And then having Goldie Hawn come in Um, no spoilers. Go Goldie Hong come in as Mrs. Claus. Just beautiful. Beautiful casting. I love Kurt Russell though. Um, and then also Kurt's stepson, well, and Goldie's son, Oliver Hudson, he is in the first one. Um, he's the father that unfortunately passes. So let's get into what I'm actually here to talk about today. Um, we've got about five movies that I'd like to mention. So the first one I'm going to mention is um, a tradition now that is, my boyfriend watches Lethal Weapon every year. I mentioned it in my unconventional Christmas movie list, but it has been now a tradition for him. So I'm just jumping in on his tradition to watch Lethal Weapon every year. Um, We watched it this year when we were decorating the tree and then just got sucked right in I almost didn't even finish the tree at first to watch it. So um, directed by Richard Donner and it takes place in the holiday season. It opens up with a Christmas song, um, starts out in a Christmas tree farm, um, though, you know, cracking a drug case, but it's, <laughs> it's a Christmas spirit and um, starring Mel Gibson. And, um, Oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. Who plays Myrtle? Oh my goodness, I can't even believe I forgot that. Wait, I'm looking it up because my... Danny Glover! Oh my lord, how could I forget that? But Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, it's actually written by Shane Black, who um, has directed a lot of movies ever since. This was his, I believe, first screenplay to be picked up, like, post-college. So you can't really go wrong being picked up to write Lethal Weapon. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's now a tradition to watch that every year. In my home back in Pennsylvania, we would watch Die Hard every Christmas morning after we open gifts. Um, So I'm just going from one Christmas action movie to another. Uh, Let's move on to my next one. Um, 1992, a classic to me, probably to many, but A Muppet Christmas Carol so great. It's probably one of my favorite renditions of the Christmas Carol story, um, just with Muppets. But you really can't go wrong with the Muppets. Also, you can't go wrong with Michael Caine. So um, having all of that encompass in one movie is just too good. I am someone who prefers the Love is Gone scene to be added in there and kept in there because it, I believe it gives a little bit more background story to Ebenezer. Um, and, you know, just you understand more of his heartache. So I prefer it with that scene. I know, I think Disney lost the negative or something like that. So some of the DVDs have both forms of it, but Blu-rays don't. It's some weird, weird thing. I don't even know. But, um, and it's genuinely terrifying at one bit too. Like the ghost of Christmas future, the little floating angel girl, she's, she's, um, oh, well, it's actually not her. It's like, Death comes to visit him and shows him his gravesite and all this stuff. It's terrifying. Um, scared me as a kid, but great movie and directed by Brian Henson. Um, and shout out to my favorite Muppet animal. He's the best. All right, we're going to take a step back to 1940, uh, directed by Ernst Lübsch, and it is a Shop Around the Corner. Um, if you've seen You've Got Mail, you understand the plot of Shop Around the Corner. Um, it's not very Christmas spirit heavy, but it does take place in that time, so a lot of people do consider it a Christmas movie. Um, I do as well. There's a lot of Christmasy things to it, but um, it's extremely dark. It's a very dark movie, and it has a very dark storyline. So yes, it entails... Um, it stars Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan, and they are secret pen pals exchanging love notes to each other, only to find out later on that they actually work together. And if you've seen You've Got Mail, Fall in Love, end of story, you know it. But there is this underlying story from uh, Jimmy Stewart's boss at Matichek and Company. Um, That his wife is having an affair on him, and he wants to commit suicide, and it's it's just really kind of out of left field that you're like, oh my gosh, is this happening in a Christmas movie? So, but it's it's a it's a good, I don't want to say it's a good side plot, but it's a rough side plot for the holidays, and especially you know, heartache and holidays, it's always something that adds on pressure. So, definitely worth a watch. Um, I I will say one. Awkward aspect of the movie is that apparently um, it takes place in Budapest, which is weird because everybody speaks very clear English except one character. Um, But I would give it a shot. Actually, double it up. Watch this and then watch You've Got Mail because you really can't go wrong with anything Nora Ephron all right um going we're gonna skip ahead in time up to 1954 this is a must watch for me i watch it every year um like i do with all these other ones but this is like i can't miss this one and it is white christmas um bing crosby danny Kay, Vera ellen who's one of the best dancers in old hollywood and rosemary clooney who has such this like deep toned wonderful musical voice um they're just, everybody's great in this. Um, so it's Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye are, uh, the team called Wallace and Davis and they're a musical group together that they travel around. Uh, they became buddies in the war. Um, and they team up with the Haines sisters who are played, like I said, by Vera Ellen and Rosemary Clooney to perform in a Vermont, uh, bed and breakfast kind of end. And once they all get there, They realize, uh, Wallace and Davis realize that the inn is owned by their old general from the war. So, upon staying there, they realize that he's having financial difficulties holding up the inn. He's not having a good revenue. uh, He doesn't have any visitors because there's no snow, and it's just lacking in tourism. So, to help him, they devise a plan to gather people to boost that revenue and to boost the visitors to the inn and um, bring on this like big show for um, all the people who are staying there, Um, which happens. But in turn, there's also a love story that blossoms between Bing Crosby's character and Rosemary Clooney's character who are being set up by Danny Kaye and Vera Allen's characters. So things go awry, obviously it'll happen. Um, But everything is rectified, and it has one of the most beautiful endings in a Christmas movie um, as they're singing White Christmas dressed up in Santa costumes. It's just a very wonderful movie, Um, and it is directed by Michael Curtiz. And last but not least is something that I'm pretty sure is going to be on a lot of people's must-watch list. It's definitely on mine. I like to watch it as close to Christmas as possible, personally, Uh, but that's just me. But it's 1946, It's a Wonderful Life. It's just a wonderful movie all around. It's just cute. I love it. So it is my 100% quintessential Christmas viewing that needs to be done. Um, It stars another Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. I am a big Jimmy Stewart fan, as you could tell, maybe. But... um, Basically, the story goes as George Bailey, um, we hear, we see background story prior to this event in his life, but um, George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, wants to jump off a bridge um, into cold, cold, cold water and end it all um, after a very large mistake happens with his bank and all of his uh, clients are very distraught um, and need their money and he can't really do anything, so it's a big big old mess. Um, He does jump, but nothing happens to him. Everything's okay because he's saved by his guardian angel, Clarence. Well, Clarence is still trying to obtain his wings. So what he does with George is that he shows what his life would be if George never existed. Um, And he basically shows him how, how important life is that he is around, and without him, things would just be ten times crazier, Um, and his kids wouldn't even be around, obviously. So, um, I watched a movie the other day called The Bishop's Wife, which stars, uh, oh gosh, Cary Grant, and um, I forget who plays the woman in it. Um, Cary Grant and Loretta Young, and stars David Niven, too, Um, but... That is a movie about a um, a bishop who's trying to raise money for a cathedral because everything's been going wrong. So he asks for guidance, and the guidance is Cary Grant, who is just like Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life, is trying to get his wings. So in um, It's a Wonderful Life, we're, we meet George Bailey when he's a young kid with his brother as well. And then in The Bishop's Wife, which was only filmed a year after It's a Wonderful Life. So It's a Wonderful Life was 46, Bishop's Wife was was 47. So the character that George Bailey plays is in both of these movies. So I like to think now that The Bishop's Wife is kind of like the middle movie between George's life from when he was a young kid to when he was older George Bailey, like Jimmy Stewart version. So I like to think that they're a little connected in a way. But um, it's a Wonderful Life is just perfect. It's directed by Frank Capra. I mean, that man has so many amazing movies under his belt. So you can't, you know, that you can't go wrong with watching this. Um, a lot of adorable scenes. The uh, pull, there's a great pull scene that happens. That um, there, the, uh, every, the uh, line every time an angel. Or every time you hear a bell ring, an angel gets its wings. So it'll it'll hold on to you every time you hear a bell ring, honestly, if you watch this movie enough like I am. So there's my lineup. So I'm going to go through it again. Uh, Lethal Weapon, A Muppet Christmas Carol shop around the corner white christmas and it's a wonderful life um like i mentioned in the unconventional one (laughs) i'm sure a bad mom's christmas is going to be added onto my yearly watches for sure i can't tell you my reasoning for loving it so much i just do but majority of the time i like a lot of old hollywood classic hollywood films there are so many wonderful movies out there though for the holiday season um but if you have a favorite let the show know. Maybe we can go through this post-Christmas and um, let's hear your number ones. Thanks, guys. And I hope you have a good holiday season. Hey.